This is the Tao of Business Law, powered by Blissness School, an exploration into the soul of business. Welcome to Blissness School's Tao of Business Law podcast, where we dive into the written and unwritten rules of business. In each episode, we'll speak to a different entrepreneur and learn how they stepped into their own unique purpose, overcame challenges, and ultimately created a life that they love. Through casual discussions, we explore the inherent humanity that weaves through all of us. After all, business is merely a reflection of the individuals in charge. So take charge of your situation. Listen to others who have already gone through the rougher parts so you don't have to. Hey, so we are here with Mark Angelo Coppola. And how old, I'm gonna ask, how old are you? I'm 28 years old. Okay, so you are clearly like, um, you know, a light being, right? <laughs> you are clearly like way advanced um, and ahead of your time and kind of like really jumping into business um, fueled by your passion. Absolutely. Um, which I love, mm-hmm. right? And such an inspiration for every single person. It doesn't really matter how old you are um, or what is happening. But if you have an impulse or you have a passion, like really what I love about your story is just following it, <laughs> like mm-hmm. not really knowing where <laughs> it was going to take you, but just kind of following it and just kind of trusting that, you know, you make the next best decision at the next time and just kind of staying in the moment. Absolutely. Um, which is rad. So, um, the format of this podcast, mm-hmm. obviously I'm an attorney mm-hmm. and, um, I have a spiritual lens that I look through. And, mm-hmm. um, um, so this podcast is called the Tao of business law. So it's basically this Taoist approach that there is a way mm-hmm. and that we don't necessarily need to know everything, but through conversation, we can really get some insights into how business is done. Um, so we've distilled it down. I've distilled it down into five questions. So I'm going to go through and come back through this throughout our conversation. Someone, including entity, right? Mm -hmm. How are you organized? What are you doing? Someone doing something Mm -hmm. for someone Mm -hmm. in exchange Mm -hmm. for something. Mm -hmm. And that's it. So let's start. So, so tell us about you and your, what you're doing. Yeah, sure. So, um, I would self-describe myself these days as a philanthropist, somebody who's taking on the world's biggest challenges via kind of the philanthropic side of things, but also really bringing entrepreneurship to the table because I really believe that we can't just kind of donate our way out of problems. We have to actually innovate our way out of problems. We actually have to build businesses and, and, and wants even that people are going to buy products and services that are actually going to contribute towards a bigger and better uh, world. Right. And so, you know, I was not always this person though. I was, I was somebody who a few years ago knew nothing about nothing. I never heard about <laughs> all the things that, you know, many people seem to kind of find inspiration or draw inspiration from, uh, you know, when I hit a stage at an event or whatever it is, I used to know absolutely zero, but I decided that I was going to not let schooling get in the way of my education. I was going to kind of graduate out of uh, an Ivy League university in Canada, uh, and I was going to watch a documentary a week for an entire year. So 52 documentaries in a year. And, and you can imagine that that was fairly, I mean, you know, it, it really scared the shit out of me. It really kind of 
made me feel like, wow, the world is riddled with problems. And each and every one of these documentaries was, was informing me about those problems. But it was also telling me so, so, so much about how there was very little solutions. And it's not because there's not actually solutions. It's that most of the documentary was focusing on, you know, 95% of the time saying, we have a massive issue. And they were spending 5% of the time saying, oh, well, here's some of the solutions or we have to do something about this. And, you know, it requires you to step up and take action. But they were never really clear as to what action I needed to take. And, and it, it just, no one action felt big enough, mm -hmm. right? I felt so small compared to massive societal issues, of course, right? Like, how do you solve poverty as an individual? Right. And, and it's just like such a, a big issue. So I did what I thought made the most sense at the time, which is that I went out into the middle of a GMO corn and soya field that I did not own at that moment. Uh, and I... I knew it was for sale, though, and I planted. It was for sale, so it you were trespassing, sale. but there I was, was trespassing, a but potential. Was for sale. <laughs> was, you know, tentatively buying this, uh, and in the middle of this awful, awful cornfield, in terms of like soil, right. it was just you know middle of nowhere, but you kind of bordering uh, my hometown and where I grew up. The I just basically decided that in planting this tree, I was going to build the school I wish I could have gone to, and I was going to build the school that the world needed, not that the, you know, that had kind of been sanctioned by our government as to what they should teach. And that this school was not just going to be for kids, but it was also going to be for adults. It was going to be for people who wanted to be philanthropists, as I later coined a few years later. But the, the idea there was that in walking out of this field, I made a claim mm -hmm. that I was not going to accept the ordinary, that I was not going to accept the status quo, that I was going to build and, and kind of actually create what this world needed, right? That I wasn't just going to accept things from a perspective that, oh, you know, this is the way things are and this is the way they will always be. That I can actually step into building and, and taking on those challenges on my, on my own. And so um, there's a great quote that somebody once told me, and I, and I love to repeat it, which is that every time you point a finger at someone, there are three pointing back at you, right? And so the idea of not blaming other people, right? I didn't create the problems, right? Many of these problems were created and started long before I was even born, but it does nothing for me to just complain about the problems. It does nothing for me to just point fingers at other people and say that they're the problem. Right, and that leads just to that other incredibly famous quote of um, be the change you wish to see in the world. Absolutely. Right? So, and, and this is really important. I want to pause here for a second because that story you said is so beautiful and that that's where it starts. If you're going to be an entrepreneur or philanthropist or quite frankly, even just engage with your life, mm -hmm. you need to plant a seed or you need to allow the environment for a seed to be planted mm -hmm. and to grow. So, um, it doesn't matter if you're watching a documentary or reading a book or going to events or just talking to people, meditating, going to yoga class, going to play pickup basketball, engaging with other people. But this idea that there is an impulse, mm -hmm. right? That's the inspiration, right? So we have blissness school and that is really the combination of spirit and body. So you allowed the inspiration and without necessarily having like a business plan and like all the funding and everything lined up and all those stories that people like to tell themselves, like yep. I can't do anything until 
everything is absolutely perfect and, and it's all done already, yep. right? It starts one place. And, and I love that you just went and planted with intention. Yep. And I think making any step in a business with intention mm -hmm. is really kind of the magic. And so you are just one individual who someone mm -hmm. doing something. I mean, at this point, it's really simple in the story, right? You just, you watched, you felt, and then you responded in a way that you felt was appropriate. Mm -hmm. And then what happened? Uh, wow. What happened is, um, well, what's the funny thing about intention is I, I really truly believe that through intent, we are the architects of the universe, right? But intention is only half the battle because the other half of the battle is that you had to put attention towards it. Mm -hmm. right? Action. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. So, so I like to equate it to what I did when I planted the tree. You know, it's one thing for me to intend that I want this tree to grow by planting it. And that's absolutely what I did. But when I really think about it and when you really think about what you need to do when you plant a tree or a seed so you actually have to give it attention you have to water it you have to get a fertilizer you have to you know protect its roots when the winter is coming or whatever it is like you have to do the things that actually make that tree survive and thrive mm -hmm. and so i believe that any business any idea any project whether it be philanthropic or entrepreneurial you first of all have to be willing to accept the risk you have to be willing to accept that you have no idea what's coming just like every other day right you have no idea what's going to be happening in the future you can predict to some degree some stuff but you have to go into it with that mentality um but that if you allow the room for the greatness of all of that to take hold and for it actually to kind of play a role in what you're, you're creating, then it has that opportunity to manifest. And so for me, what happened next is that people started showing up, right? Some friends that I had from high school, um, you know, and other people who I had never really spoken to, people who I never really kind of interacted with, or I might have known a little bit or kind of offhand or I'd met years ago, but I had never really kind of had any conversation about these kinds of topics. And so what really ended up happening is that I, I created a movement and I didn't realize it at the time. So, so where were they showing up to? So let's just kind of slow that up. up to this farm, to the land where I had done So this. you'd kind of squatted and so you planted a tree yes. and then you, you kind of cultivated and protected it. And of course, exactly. Buddha, you know, this is like the Buddha nature that everybody inside has a Buddha nature, Buddha being, you know, an enlightened being, a fully actualized being. Mm -hmm. And the idea that, um, everybody has that seed and there's this, you know, old story of uh, inside every acorn is a mighty oak. Exactly. It's just, it has to be in the environment that allows the growth mm -hmm. and growth is the natural state of being growth is in us. Growth is in our business. Mm -hmm. So you stake this claim, you planted a tree and then you camped there. No, I didn't you... camp there. Luckily I lived right nearby. Okay. So what I started to do is that the number one thing that I did was plant the tree. Mm -hmm. The second smartest thing that I ever did was I told people about it. I, okay. I took a picture. Okay. And I used the power of the internet and right. Facebook and <laughs> the Instagram tools. and all that stuff. And uh -huh. I just started telling the story. And and in through that story, through the like symbol of the tree, just to make sure that I'm understanding, you were talking about the world's problems. You were talking about your aspirations for how to address. So yep. so there's like, you know, there's an an in the law, you know, like an issue or, um, an impulse and then a response. And so yeah. you were sort of using this as an opportunity and a platform to engage. Exactly. Okay. And, and what I recognized is that 
if I took that picture and then I told people where it was and I invited them to come and, and participate in it in any way, shape, or form, that this could be big. And I didn't know it at the time. We were calling it Project Y when we first started. Uh, and I say we, but it, me and you know some of the, some the, of the universe that started joining right away. And the universe, definitely. Yeah. Um, but I also, from a legal perspective, it was really interesting, and I know this is something you're, you're passionate about and understand, is that I also saw a loophole. I also saw that you know farmers have so many tax benefits. I saw that farmers can buy farmland and apply to build housing on their farmland if they are living from their farm. Mm -hmm. They are actually using that as a principal activity. And so the entrepreneur in me saw the loop, the, like the gray zone. And I was like, well, wait a second. I run and make all my income through my company, mm -hmm. right? And I was doing marketing and learning some of that stuff beforehand. I could be a farmer as an individual. I can get all these tax benefits and I can buy farmland for pennies per square foot compared to dollars per square foot right next door, right? And I mean, I'm talking like a hundredfold, hundred X the value for residential land versus farmland. So where were, where is this place located? It's on the South Shore of Montreal. It's 20 it's minutes it's outside Canada. of downtown Montreal. And okay. it's now officially the Valhalla Movement Montreal is, from my knowledge, to my knowledge, the closest eco-village to a city center on the planet. Okay, so you have a whole eco-village in that space. So you bought the land. It was for sale. So, so we ended up buying the land. Wow. We ended up taking over 66 acres wow. of GMO corn and soil fields, which, uh, you know, at this point, five years later, this is our fifth season, we have barely barely put a dent into five acres out of 66. I just want to give you a high five because <laughs> that is... So awesome. And so how did you, so, so I have so many questions. So how did you acquire the funding and the backing to purchase the land? Yeah. So number one, I, I went for cheaper land than what it would cost me to buy residential land. Right. Number one, I, I kind of thought smart and, mm -hmm. and I thought about real estate and, and the idea of like location. Number two is I had sold my first company, which was an indoor skate park that I had started when I was uh, 18 and I sold at 21. Um, and I had kind of been sitting on the money that I had gotten from it because it had gone, it had been successful, it had survived the financial crisis. And, it, you know, don't get me wrong, there was tons of trials and tribulations. We had massive overhead uh, at the skate park. We were paying, I think it was like $20,000 a month before salaries. Right. Our overhead. Mm -hmm. And I was like, wow. And I had no idea how I was doing that at 18. So I think I had the, the real confidence of having sold that business and done that, that I can start a business that, like, again, farmland, you know, the taxes on 66 acres in Montreal was $2,000 a year. Okay. And, and what so, was, can I just ask, look, roughly the, the sales price? Yeah, that... I mean, it was a couple hundred thousand dollars. Okay. Um, and what I did is I ended up convincing my best investor, and it's my father. Yeah. I was like, look, you know, I think you and I should buy this land because mm -hmm. we were looking at land in the area anyway. I, th I said, and I'll slowly buy it from you over time. Yep. Right. Like I'll put in my own money and I'll buy a piece of it and then I'll buy the rest of it from you over time. And that's essentially what I've been doing ever since. And, and it's working and it just keeps growing and it keeps, you know, building that wealth. And then, but the number one, and the key thing here is that I don't see myself as owning the land and I don't think that any one person owns the land. I, really took this land and donated it to the movement. I said, you know, we're going to open up a co-op, we're going to open up a nonprofit organization, and we're going to 
build this together. So have you taken those steps? This is so interesting, and I don't want to put you on the spot, course, but yeah. I am super interested coming back to the DAO business loss, someone just starting there. So you are obviously that someone, mm -hmm. and then eventually your investor, mm -hmm. your partners also include that someone. Yep. But did you organize any kind of entity around you? you you'd mentioned a nonprofit. Not right away. Okay. So for for multiple months, no. Mm -hmm. It was literally just a project. Mm -hmm. It was this thing sure. I never go to whenever I had time. And there was no consistency to it. There was no business structure to it. There was no business plan. I went to no bank. Yeah. I, went, did not, I just was starting. Right. And I had no idea how I was going to do it. But eventually I walked into a garden center and I started going up to them and I said, look, uh, you know, guys, I, I have friends and you, we, we make websites and we can, your, your website sucks <laughs> and we can make a way better website for you, but I don't want money. I don't want you to pay me for it. I want your trees. I don't want to take all these trees. I don't want to plant them over here because I'm going to start a nursery and I'm going to start a farm and I'm going to do some stuff. And they believe so and and so they sponsored us with sixty thousand dollars worth of stuff and that's where the project can continue rolling and then i started reaching out to people i reached out to this really powerful influencer his name is jordan lejuan and i consider a brother of mine now but he was living in california and i convinced him after the second time we spoke on skype he was like i'm moving to montreal i'm gonna make this project happen and so a few weeks later, we were living in this new house. I literally moved out of my parents' basement to live in a house full of a bunch of strangers, none of which I had ever really lived with. I never lived away from home at that time. I was, I was only 22. Um, I never lived away from, uh, from home at that time. I had just literally never done this. And so we moved into this amazing house, like a, a, less than a kilometer away from our land. Uh, and we started a movement. We ended up opening up this nonprofit. Okay. So I'm going to, I'm going to, so is it, is it like organized as a nonprofit now? So there's a nonprofit component and then there's a for-profit co-op. Okay. for-profit co-op is one member, one vote. Mm -hmm. uh, we rented and kind of give the land to the co-op and the co-op can use this land to yep. all the farming activities. Mm -hmm. But the nonprofit focuses on the educational side things the mm -hmm. online media the education so it gives us the perfect balance of structure where one of them is kind of a bit of a tax shelter eventually we can possibly give tax receipts stuff like that for people who are donating towards the the movement or donating even land right? and so, so comes in and brings a piece of land and says hey i want this to be a part of this movement in here in austin or whatever it is the for profit is the the maintenance of the land yep and the for profit is and the holding of the land that specific land exactly. yep and then the nonprofit and typically nonprofits have to be organized for some sort of educational, scientific, or religious benefit. Exactly. And so this was a no-brainer because yeah. you kind of probably fit into all three in some way, shape, or form. Because sure, yeah. the thing is also you don't necessarily need to know where it's going to be at the end per yeah. se because you can't, which is – you know, this is a perfect example of your story. Like, well, we didn't necessarily know, but mm -hmm. that's what, that's the energy. That is the Tao. You know, mm -hmm. there's a way that, mm -hmm. that you, as long as you take one step, the next will become apparent. Yep. And so what I love, and I want to get back to kind of those five elements, someone. So in this case, we have an individual, potentially a nonprofit doing something. So again, to your point, you have to do something. Yes. <laughs> you can't just have an idea. You can't just fantasize about it. You can't just dream about it, lucid dream about it. I don't care. Like take some, you know, 
you know, drugs and have a trip about it. Like that's all fine and well, but you actually have to take action. That's why we're human. And that's why we're here. And you have to do something. So someone doing something mm -hmm. for someone else. And in this case, that for someone else was a little vague. It was kind of like everyone and we're not quite sure what yeah. yet, but you had a lot of ideas because you wanted this to benefit children you wanted to be an educational component you knew that there you wanted to help people who had a calling to change the world for the better in some way yeah. so that was your kind of like general for someone and and i would say superheroes and people who are taking on the world's biggest challenges like those are the people i wanted to attract and those are, and the reason i wanted to attract them is because i wanted to be one perfect right. so we have someone doing something for someone else in exchange, there has to be a give and take. There's always a give and take. That's yep. called consideration in the legal realm. Mm -hmm. That's kind of fundamental for contracts um, uh, for something. And that for something is my favorite because that is value. And so often in the entrepreneurial space, people come from a scarcity mentality and that for something is always limited to, but I need money. And we often, and, and, and it's, um, it's kind of, I guess, a mission. I've never said that out loud, but it's a mission for me to invite people to reevaluate that for something. Yes, you are in business, but but the exchange of value. So uh, what you had just said, and uh, you know, you're just such a wealth of information. I feel like I could talk to you forever. But going into a garden center, someone you know, your website development is doing yeah. something, creating a website, right? Mm -hmm. A value, um, doing something for someone else, the garden center in exchange mm -hmm. for trees. You weren't asking for money. Exactly. That wasn't necessarily wanted. You could and have gotten the money way more trees than they ever would have given me money. Right. And so th that part, I want to drive home because if you are real with yourself about what your mission is and you're real with yourself about what your goals are oftentimes when you see whenever you see yourself writing out i need x amount of money what does that represent because it's really just representational if you kind of get to it and in fact i had learned that lesson very very powerfully when i was dealing with the financial crisis because in my first business at indoor skate park i had gotten approved for a two hundred fifty thousand dollar loan to build a community center or this space that i had always wanted to build and at the time it was a lounge it was going to be like a bar but a, like real lounge really great food really you know catering both to men and women and catering to me because at the time i was a stoner i had nowhere to go and i had nowhere to hang out and uh, there was no good food options other than uh, you know mcdonald's and and dunkin donuts or whatever it was past a certain hour in the summer, no good no right? good food options yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> no options, exactly and so i wanted to change that i wanted to build a space that me and my friends and other people who I was inspired to to connect with could actually have a space that you know wasn't a bar wasn't all about drinking wasn't all about anything other than just connecting hmm. and what ended up happening is I got pre-approved for this loan 250,000 and the day I went to go get the loan the financial crisis had basically hit a week before and they're like, oh, come back next week. You know, things are a little crazy this week. Everyone's a little bit busy. Uh, you know, why don't you come back next week? And next week turned into next month, and next month turned into never. Because nobody was going to give a 18-year-old, 19-year-old at the time a $250,000 loan to basically start a bar in their mind, right? Yeah. And chill even zone. though we already had the location, even though we already had, uh, like, I built a whole business plan and they had pre-approved it, I basically spent an entire year trying to figure out where I can find the money to build the project. 
And what I ended up realizing one day while going on Craigslist and I went into the free section or whatever it was, is I saw a whole bunch of businesses that were closing and they were all restaurants and they all had all the equipment that I needed. And I was like, man, what if I could do something? What if I could provide value, right? For these people in exchange for the microwave, in exchange for the piece of equipment that they had that I needed. Because that money, they didn't really want anymore, no, right? because they were closing and they had to pay So that back. value, so that it, it shifted. At one point, they really wanted that item. Exactly. It had It represented at high value. Exactly. And that items, property, yeah. it just is representation. You assign the value. And if 100%. you can convince somebody or frame it yep. so that there's a, an adequate exchange and everybody's happy, yeah. pretty much... I mean, it's think all about good. There that every any one of us who's listening to this right now has at home that they had when they were a kid, right? Yeah, that's How awesome. How much value does that teddy bear have? Well, you speak to somebody who has no attachment to the teddy bear, and they're like, mm, not much. Yeah, right. <laughs> None. You speak to the person who grew up with that teddy bear, and it's worth a whole lot. Mm -hmm. And so, the idea of providing value for somebody else and removing money out of the equation is exactly how I ended up getting all the pieces for this lounge. I ended up actually being able to get every single piece because what I did is I connected failing restaurants to equipment buyers. And if somebody would come in and buy everything, but I made a deal on both ends of the coin that I said, look, guys, I'm providing value. I'm, I'm going out there scouting this information and getting this stuff for you. In exchange for that, I just need you to give me this piece of equipment that I need. And that's, you know, maybe a thousand dollars of value in exchange for, you know, I help somebody, you know, facilitate a $50,000 transaction for me taking a thousand dollars every time. And I did that over and over and over and over and over again for an entire year. And I recognized that I didn't need money to do what I needed to do. I just needed to be able to convince people that what I was doing or what I was working towards and what we were working or are working towards now, because I do not want to say that this movement has anything to do with me, it has everything to do with we, then we can build the world that we know is possible in our hearts, right? When I turns to we, even awesome. wellness turns to wellness. Mm -hmm. and, and so when we start recognizing that I don't need to give you money to get you to be motivated to do something, but I just need to really listen to you. I really need to kind of understand and, and take into account what your goals are. And that provides value. And sitting down and recording this provides value to you and it provides value to the people who are listening. There's no money exchange. Yep. Yeah. And I, um, you are a visionary and, um, indigo child and, you know, all these kind of like, um, these descriptors, but you get it. You get that, um, we're, we're changing just like everyone else, right? Like we were talking about like an, in every acorn is a mighty oak and yep. but you don't really see those oak trees fighting too often. Like, no, I don't want to change. No, I don't want to grow. It's just allowing this, um, natural change. And as humans, we have the ability to, in our mechanism, recognize joy, mm -hmm. happiness and dissatisfaction or dis-ease or something that does not feel right. And quite frankly, you and I, and everyone who watched those 52 documentaries, right? 
is aware that there is a discomfort in, in many facets. So we have tons of opportunity. (laughs) There's no lack of opportunity to kind of contribute, um, in a very meaningful way. And I I mean, you just, you're dropping bombs all over the place. You know, I be, you know, (laughs) when I becomes, we illness becomes wellness, but that, that, that is very true. And this concept of a, you know, triple bottom line, right? You need to take care of yourself. You need to take care of those around you and even larger, like what am I doing that's contributing to making the world a better place? Um, and it doesn't have to be super complicated. No. And it, and it shouldn't, it shouldn't ignore both ROI, right? The ROI. I love this. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Most people like understand from a business perspective and you know, the entrepreneurial world definitely, you know, uh, embraces. And then on the maybe more hippie side, or I want to change the world side, there's the ROI of ripple of impact Mm -hmm. and where those two ROIs, the return on investment ripple of impact intersect is exactly where I think the world needs people like you listener who to step up. Right. So let's hear the superhero Mm -hmm. Academy superhero Academy. Okay. So So, this is one of your businesses. It is. So when I decided I was going to build a school, I wish I could have gone to, uh, I meant physically. Um, but what I ended up realizing is that millions of people who ended up reaching online, I mean, this movement grew to reach multi-millions of people all around the world. And I want to pause here and just remind people, this is the Valhalla movement. Valhalla movement yes. And so movement. can we spell that just in case anybody's listening, they want to go yeah. check it out right now. We'll put yeah. a link into. Sure. So it's V-A-L-H-A-L-L-A, just like the Norse mythology mm-hmm. or the Viking mythology. Yep. Uh, movement.com. And what we ended up doing is we, we, reached millions of people, but all these millions of people came running just like you did with questions like, Hey, how do I do this? And what, tell me more about this stuff. And so I decided I was going to build the online school that I wish I could have gone to. And then many people were asking us for, um, called superhero Academy because I wanted to teach people how they can take on the world's biggest challenges and, and do that by telling stories just like the one I just told you now, right? In that story, it motivates people, it makes people feel like, wow, what am I doing with my life? Or what, how can I do this too? And I really believe that there is a system for that, right? There's no one way to create a business. Uh, and I'm not going to pretend to know every single facet of every single thing, but there are many clues. There are many ways that we can kind of engineer and create a business and every business has a marketing department. Every business has a finance department, or at least it should. And and even if it's the same person, right? Even if it's just you as an individual, if you are an entrepreneur, you quite frankly are your marketing department. You're wearing all the hats, but you still need to think about those different verticals and those different components because every business needs to find its audience. Every business needs to tell a story and document what it's doing. Every, you know, nowadays every business has to have a mobile website, right? Like, so we teach people the very specific how skills on how they can do that from A to Z. And it started off as an eight class course that I gave live. And now at at this exact moment in time, it's a 40 plus class course. Uh, There's multiple teachers now being uh, added and we're now adding multiple courses over the next couple of months. So it's, um, it's totally free to start. It literally teaches people the basics of, uh, you know, how they can get clear and committed to their idea and what that idea even is in some cases. Mm Because I think, you know, there's no doubt about that. The fact that somebody's listening to this right now and saying, wow, I want to do this, but I don't know where to start. Mm-hmm. I don't know what idea I need to take on. And the truth is, like I said, I had no idea either, but I started and I got committed and I got clear and I knew exactly what I was doing, which was I was going to build a school 
that I wish I could have gone to. I didn't know anything about building. I knew nothing about permaculture. I knew nothing about all those things, but I was going to figure it out because that commitment and that passion is going to carry me through. So let's talk about, oh, go ahead. Yeah, sorry. So, so movements, the difference between a business and a movement is that a movement happens with or without you. A movement isn't started because you wanted to make money. Right. It isn't started because you wanted to build this empire. It was started because you really believed in what you wanted to create. Right? MLK, Gandhi, they created movements. Mm -hmm. They didn't create businesses. It's not to say that there wasn't financial repercussions for them and it doesn't make them famous or make have them the opportunity of having some beneficial gains from it, including just you know the limelight, if you will. But the idea is it was started with that in mind first. And so for those of you who are listening, the idea of building that movement has to be at its core. And then once that happens, then you have to get your new story, right? Somebody comes up to you and says, what do you do? Well, if you have a very generic answer, I'm a web developer, I'm a mailman, I'm a whatever, then the conversation kind of ends there. But if you engage, open the doors to a story, uh, you know, if you're already at this point in the, you know, in listening to this podcast, it's because you've been enthralled in the story. And that's where this story builds movement. And so the, in Bliss in School, kind of the, we're saying very similar things, which is awesome, right? Because we know that there's more of us out there. And quite frankly, those of us who really want to change the world for the better, there's not competition, right? The more people are out there mm -hmm. in alignment and have their vision. And that's what we're talking about with having that story. We encourage um, you to have a vision and get clear on your vision. And I'm not talking about like all the nuts and bolts, not making a business plan, but having, looking around and seeing where you feel that the world could be better, yeah. where there could be a higher vibration, where we could have healing, where, and holding on to that vision steadfastly and having faith yeah. that the next right step will appear that you, you know, because again, I say this all the time, 100%. you don't control everything. No. You just don't. And so to be in that story and hold yourself, um, um, as, um, like a captive to, well, I can't take any action until I know every little bit we're encouraging. It sounds like we're both saying, have your vision mm -hmm. and relinquish control yeah. and release any pressure to have to know everything and allow the I to become a we exactly. and um, kind of allow this momentum. And one option is to, you know, hang out with us at Blissness School and get clarity around some of the laws because there are laws and, you know, you, they're there, they're there, quite Super frankly, to empower you. Yes. yes. Awesome. So um, they're there to empower you and you can allow those to help you and not be afraid of them. And I encourage people to lean into them. And then I'm sort of like a support to guide through what all of these laws mean. Absolutely. And then another option is to, to take the um, superhero Academy. And so what are some of the courses that people could expect to see in that yeah. offering? Yeah. I mean, we, we teach people everything from literally, I told you guys a story right now and, and I told it in eight simple steps and I say this story and ver versions of this story <clears throat> in eight simple steps all the time. I'm about to step on stage here at Paleo Effects to tell people how to tell an eight-step story. But I'm not going to tell them the eight steps. I'm going to show them first because, see, a lot of people confuse that knowledge is what they need. And knowledge is not what they need because everyone knows what it takes to get a six-pack. And yet only 2% of the world has six-packs. I mean, in so, your abs. Yeah, right. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, you know, everyone knows what it takes. And if they did 
you know, more sit-ups and ate more kale and did it every day, they would have a six-pack. And yet, why is it that, you know, most of us don't? And it's just because knowledge becomes wisdom when you put it into action. Mm -hmm. And so what Superior Academy will teach you is, you know, how to build a website, how to document, how to make videos, how to tell this eight-step story. It will teach you um, how to start a podcast. It will teach you all the specifics of how I did everything, how to grow social media following. It's literally all the tips and tricks that I've learned from tons of marketing Experience. seminars and learning from all these people that have been doing you know marketing for yes. seven plus years. All that knowledge is packed into this, but it's given and told in the lens of creating a movement, not in creating just a, an everyday business, right? So if, if you're the person who wants to create the next Angry Birds app, great, there's other schools for you. But if you're the next person who wants to be like the next Batman or Iron Man or, 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 or you know, Wonder Woman or whatever it is, like this is the school for you because we're not just here to give you the knowledge. We're here to keep you accountable and actually see that you see it through. That we're giving you the challenges. We're giving you the notes. We're giving you the chapters. We're giving you the accountability that we can see who watches which class when. And then we have the tribe that really holds together. And not only do we create this online space, we create an in-person space, right? We have the physical eco-villages that we are developing where you can come and be with us and be accountable, live that lifestyle because entrepreneurship and building, building a movement is a lifestyle, right? So the idea of, of starting in a school and, and, and kind of, you know, going to class and writing the test is, is exactly what is wrong with our current education system today, right? Standardized testing and all these testing, you regurgitate information onto a, onto a piece of paper and you got an A or whatever, right? The truth is that we need more spaces uh, and we need to use these empowering laws. We need to use all of these components and we need to learn a little bit about all of those things. And the number one thing that I've ever done, the number one reason why I knew this law, legal loophole, for example, is my father's a lawyer, right? The number one thing that I did is I surrounded myself with people who were doing the things or who were in the spaces that I wanted to move towards. So when I wanted trees, I went to the garden center. When I needed legal advice, I went to my father. Mm -hmm. When I needed entrepreneurial advice, I hired a coach, I hired a business mentor. Right? I worked with people who had done the things that I wanted to do before me because that saves me so much time. Mm -hmm. And I didn't do it day one. I did not hire some of the business coaches and I did not speak to some of these people day one and we made tons of mistakes, mm -hmm. right? I knew nothing about permaculture. When we planted some of the next trees, not all of them survived, not all of them thrived. Why? Well, I wasn't putting enough attention into them. I wasn't understanding and researching what I was doing beforehand, uh, but over time I found those people and those mm -hmm. people today make me look really good. Uh, you know, they, they really are the lifeblood of this movement. I can't do anything I'm doing without, without the, the community mm -hmm. that surrounds me. So I, I embedded myself in a community and, and those communities uh, are what make you thrive. And so that's what Sibiru Academy, so the Valhalla movement, and that's what I, I guess, offer. Okay. So we've got just bringing back someone doing something for someone else in exchange for something. So if we're talking about the Superhero Academy, we have um, the organization. Are you organized? Is yeah. that an actual yeah. business? It's an actual business. Mm -hmm. It has a website, SuperheroAcademy.net. It has all the legal, you know, components and everything, everything together. And um, how many people are involved in owning that business? So right now, it's 
it, the way it's structured is I created it and I own it. I put all the financial risk and capital into it. Uh, but now what I've done is I've hired people uh, who all have a financial stake in it. So they basically get a percentage of profits. Um, and once we hit a certain target, mm -hmm. once we hit a, a level in which it no longer requires me to finance and it's financing it, it's itself uh, in a way that's very sustainable, we're reaching a, a you know capacity that... Um, and we're reaching a level of standard and quality that I'm very excited about, then it will organize as its own company and it will probably end up being, um, I don't know, I'm, I'm leaning towards like a B Corp, I'm leaning towards some kind of like interesting organizational structure. Mm -hmm. uh, and it kind of, I wanna, I wanna have a global kind of structure. I wanna be able to kind of protect this uh, from multiple angles and be able to have multiple wings of this uh, in different ways. Because if we're gonna penetrate the traditional schooling market, we're going to have to build legal structures within each and every country, most likely, yep. uh, in which we operate or open up a school to now meet the requirements of education and kind of bend those requirements of education towards something like Superhero Academy and what that can offer. So my goal is right now to be an alternative, but I have a vision of how this can become the norm, right? Like, and, and become the standard uh, and raise the bar. So you are a sole owner. You don't I'm have partners. Owner. Okay, no awesome. Partners and that is super empowering, yes. right? Because you don't really have to negotiate with anybody else. Although clearly you are just a wildly gifted communicator and incredibly intuitive in your ability to empathize and also um, hold your vision mm -hmm. to communicate your end goal, which in and of itself is incredibly challenging. Mm -hmm. um, but but for those listening, that is really important. It, it, it allows you to make all the decisions yourself, right? <laughs> yeah, and, and when you're first starting, everyone does. Yeah. And you have to. And it also um, minimizes the drama. Yes. Because the more people you add, oftentimes, the more drama there is. Now, I you, I want to wrap this up, and, and I'm not sure what time you're talking. It's... It's now o'clock for me on my watch. Yeah, yeah, perfect. <laughs> <laughs> so both, um, both Mark and I have, uh, I have something on my wrist that says "Be here now," and on his watch it just says "Now." Yeah. So I think that there is like a very important component to presence and just you know not getting too far ahead of things, but also utilizing this opportunity to kind of parse it through. And of course, I'm a, an attorney, and there's mm -hmm. kind of this interesting opportunity to kind of get into your story and kind of. Par pull it through and explain, well, you know, this is what's happening. So from the legal component, um, when you have someone just, again, staying there, right now we have um, uh, an, an incorporation or uh, maybe even a sole prop um, um, that has the potential to go someplace. And of course, there's a B corporation, and that mm -hmm. contemplates a triple bottom line for some sort of benefit for the greater society. And it's, it's not totally understood yet. I mean, it's no. we have it as an entity, but the laws haven't fully formed around it. And so I'm super excited about B corporations, and I'm going to continue to talk about them. But the other place that I am very um, passionate mm -hmm. is the co-op. Yes. And the co-op, and you mentioned it before, but this is an opportunity to actually talk about it. A co-op is one of the best ways to form an organization that is completely separate from you. Exactly. Because the exactly. owners have the interest. Yep. All owners, member owners. Mm -hmm. So examples of co-ops, there are food co-ops that were organized for the purpose of um, 
getting and um, serving quality food when there was a few food shortage. Yep. I still, um, I'm actually running for the board of my co-op right now. I'm very embedded with that co-op and other companies that you may have heard that are co-op based and kind of run co-op light or like REI. Mm -hmm. Um, and the essence to those those structures are that a percentage goes back to the members yep. and that the members really have control over what happens. And so for the longevity of something like what you're talking about, a school that goes way beyond you, like if you were to decide tomorrow, no, I don't want to do this anymore. I solely want to be an, then a stockbroker. Then exactly. The it continues to exist. Okay. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. The movement continued. Now, he didn't build a legal structure for the civil rights movement, right? Mm -hmm. but, but in our case, when we're building a, a you know, a, a kind of a, a physical location, there's real estate involved and there's all these things involved, having one member, one vote gives the confidence to all the other people who are putting time and energy into this who didn't have the money to invest in it may, maybe on day one, that they can participate in that. And mm -hmm. some people do contribute financially. Uh, we have 30 members now who all contribute $50 a month towards the kind of co-op and the running of the co-op to start up this farm and continue to grow our production, you know, provide more services to the community, make CSA baskets that we're now giving out, you know, nice. you know all those things. And you're um, selling those. And we're, yeah, we're selling them to members and non-members. Okay. Um, and this is the first year we're actually doing that, that the baskets and stuff, um, because it's finally grown to a level of where there's, uh, you know, full-time employees and people literally working there daily. Uh, you know, we were tons of people working on the online components. We were tons of people who are entrepreneurs or, uh, let's say, uh, you know, uh, solopreneurs who were kind of like working together and finding ways to earn money and bring money towards the movement in the beginning. But now it has its own financial legs and now it has its own kind of capacity to, uh, become its own real business, right? And so that component of, of a co-op makes it super, super interesting. It's definitely more complicated yes. right, than obviously starting on your own. It's not the structure <laughs> I would recommend day one. No. <laughs> uh, find your members, be with your members, you know, date before you get married kind of thing, and then open up a co-op. And, and we actually are, we're building a course now that will end up on Superior Academy in which one of the classes is very academy talks about all the different legal structures awesome and all the benefits and the negative sides of all of them right like what are mm -hmm. some of the reporting requirements that suck when you run sure. a profit versus a co-op yep. versus this whatever it is right and so breaking that down um, but we're going to break it down further we're going to we're literally going to give people our constitution and say look this is what we did these are the rules that we set in place mm -hmm. this is how we play the game together as a co-op now what do you guys want to do? And each Valhalla movement chapter, so we have now one in Montreal and we also have one in Vermont that just started. Cool. Independently run. It has an independent legal structure. It has its independent voting situation. It has independent members. So I only have one vote in Valhalla, Montreal. And although I started it, I can get kicked out. How many members do you have? We're about 30 in Montreal now. Okay. Yeah. So and you know, how, often, how often are those members coming in and going out? Um, most of them are pretty stable. We The co-op itself has only existed for just over a year now. And you um, say co-op, are you using that as like an official legal term or well, is that kind yeah, of just like called, a... Yeah, in, in French it's called Coop de Solidarité de Firme de Bahala. So it's like Bahala Farms Co-op basically. Got it. In, okay. In and the idea is that that co-op has 30 members. There's transients, right? Like some people go, some people come. Uh, every community has that. Every company has that. 
Um, but for the most part, it's just been growing uh, ever since we, we started it. And the, yeah, I mean, it's one person, one vote. It really allows people to kind of participate in something that makes it very, very palpable and, and powerful uh, in that way. And it really empowers them to have that vote and that, and that control. Awesome. So someone doing something for someone else in exchange for something, your members are someone doing something, right? Engaging with the organization yep. for someone else, meaning both the organization and at the same time, community. the community. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. So it doesn't just have to be one thing. Um, um, someone doing something for someone else in exchange for something. And of course, that something is value and knowing, even just knowing that you're contributing and that you're making a difference and that there's purpose in your life. And quite frankly, that is, again, we we're talking about tremendously valuable. And we have thousands of people who visit our farm. We have thousands of people who visit us online. Like, I mean, the people who are coming and getting value in the education, people are coming and getting value in just doing a tour of the land. Awesome. Asking us about all these crazy structures that we built that are, you know, eco constructions. I mean, there's so much there. So, um, and we're providing food where, you know, our goal is to feed like five hundred families right in our local area. So just to, to get super clear, this um, kind of decimated land where you planted one tree, tree yeah. now is actually a working a productive farm. farm. And it's an organic farm. Yes. Wow. Yeah. So that's tremendous work. And you did that just one moment at a time. It, one now at a, mo at a time, right? It, like, there's no other way of building a movement other than taking one simple step, one simple picture, telling one simple story, coming to one simple event, and doing it over and over and over and over again. And it's kind of mind-numbing sometimes, right? Like, don't get me wrong, I've said this story a million times over, and I will say it a million times again, because, and I always say it with passion because I really truly believe it. I don't, I'm not saying this to convince anyone of anything. I don't ask you of anything beyond, hey, you're giving me your attention. And in fact, that is your biggest power, right? Anybody who's listening to this right now is giving their precious time. Presence. And presence yeah. and mm -hmm. attention towards, you know, out of their busy lives and all the crazy things that they have to do, and I'm sure they're all busy, um, to participate in this and listen to this and in and of itself just by listening even by hearing or telling the next person you are propagating that movement and just like a seed right just like the acorn you mentioned once that tree grows that tree plants many 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 seeds and I have no idea where all the seeds of anything that I've done will land but what I've put in place legally uh, financially, uh, you know, economically, you know, the, the, the entire structure, including the story, all of this stuff has left a, a trail of breadcrumbs because I am not the only person who will head this movement, quote unquote. I will not be the only storyteller and I am not the only storyteller in this movement. Uh, we are all storytellers. We are all part, you know, participating in telling the story in our own unique way with our own passions. And I'm more passionate about the education, the online component of it. Other people are more passionate about the permaculture side of it. So we're all just building this organic thing and recognizing that none of us control it. We don't need to control it yeah. to benefit from it, right? Nobody controls the mountaintops that you climb or yeah. like, nobody controls the rivers or the streams that you swim in. You know, you don't need to have control of something to watch it in its glory and to benefit from it and to also give back to it. You yeah. can just be a steward of the land, be a steward of your mission, be a steward of your life, and be a steward of the planet, and you can recognize that when you do that, and you align yourself for real, that's for fake, now you just talk about it, you <laughs> 
talk about sustainability in a bar while eating, you know, drinking your water bottle and then yeah, putting the plastic and out, yeah, <laughs> you know, your car window, like that's not how you're doing it, right? When you actually embody it and you actually start living it, you start feeling and experiencing and getting the benefits of it. And don't yeah. get me wrong. I am not living a perfectly sustainable life yet. Right. But I'm working closer and closer towards it every day. And every single day, I'm, I'm growing in leaps and bounds. Not because I'm trying to be better than anybody else. Not because I believe what I believe is better than anybody else. It's because it's what I believe and it's what's better for me. Yeah, what's what's um, brings me back to Austin mm-hmm. every year for Paleo FX is that um, Keith and Michelle put Norris put together a absolutely incredible group of people who are committed to making the world a better place. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I love coming here because it's just so easy to become inspired. And just as you said, like, I personally, am not doing the Vahala movement, you know, yeah. that's not my movement. I'm, I'm doing business school. Yeah. Um, and, you know, there's this idea that, um, and, and I say it all the time, that we are not in control, that there's something beyond us, right? And so the... the trust in spirit. Whether you want to call it spirit or God or universe, sure. um, there is kind of this story that um, it's energy. Yep. And the lights, you know, when you flick on the power, they don't question like, oh, where is this coming from, right? And so if in one room there is a red light bulb mm-hmm. and in the next room you plug in a green light bulb and then another room you plug in a blue light bulb, the light is going to be different and the qualities are going to be different. Yep. But the energy, yep. the source of it is coming through. And so yep. Whatever it is that you are doing, if you do it with your full presence and your full awareness and you, you know, go and engage, maybe visit, Mm -hmm. you know, the Valhalla actual places or visit them online or um, just, yeah, you do pop into the Superheroes Academy or Blissness School and just, again, cultivate that informed intuition so that you can allow that energy to flow through you, but with some sort of, um, um, interaction of your own Mm -hmm. being you're making your decisions you decide what time you get up who you talk to what you put in your body the thoughts in your head right i mean and that one can be a little bit of a a mind game and we'll talk more about that i'm sure at another time but really coming back to what life do i want to live yeah Right? Well, if I can, if I can give and you know leave this on a note uh, that kind of en- encompasses, I think my f- philosophy and my connection, I guess, to uh, spirit and my why and all that kind of stuff is, look, I, I can't control everything, right? And no one person can. But what I do control is how I react to it all, right? I do control how whatever happens to me in my life, whatever misfortune or whatever fortune happens to me. I choose how I react to it, and therefore I can choose how I act in response to it, mm-hmm. right? I can really embody that these documentaries would have made me cynical, that they would have made me sad, that they would have ruined my life. But what they did in, in my reaction was not to see only the problems, but to see the solutions and recognize that I can be a part of it. So I took that stoic-like philosophy and applied it to my life, and that's what has gotten me to where I am, and that's what's going to get you whoever's listening to this, to where you are. So what action can you take today, even on the smallest of scales, even on the smallest of ways that makes that movement start to live in you? Not my movement, 
your movement. Right on, brother. Well, thank you so much. Thank so you. high, so much high five and mahalo to what you're doing. And um, I really hope that our paths continue to cross because sure um, I really do want to um, kind of add my energy in with yours. Thank so, you so thank much. you so much. We'll put those links um, on the site below. There you have it. That's um, Mark Angelo Coppola with the Superhero Academy. Such an inspiration, such um, an absolute example of having a passion, not necessarily knowing where it's going, but staying present and just following um, really your bliss. I'm so honored and grateful that he that we just crossed paths and he agreed to do that interview. Again, that was at Paleo FX in Austin, Texas. Um, check out the Superhero Academy and you can see plenty of videos from Paleo FX. Once, you, once again, so much gratitude for, um, for to Mark Angelo and to what he's putting out there. We really need it right now. The Dow Business Law Podcast is produced by Blixen School, LLC. All rights reserved. I'm gonna put the